Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on, how, how many of you are happy to be at church today? Man, I just love our church. You know, you say, Love City Church. I want you to know we mean what we say. We love you. We're glad you're here. Uh, we care more about who you are than what you do. And we're just glad you're in the house of God today. I know there's a lot of visitors here today. Some are family visiting from other, with other family members. We got a lot of folks online, online community. How you doing today? Let's give our online community a huge shout. Come on on the count of three. One, two, three. There's a bunch of folks watching online today and uh, from all over the world, really. And we're just so thankful they're here with us today. But we're going to have some fun. We're going to go to the Word today. And uh, I um, teach every Sunday. And what I try to do every Sunday is I try to kind of go, uh, go teach the scriptures and you know, we often will take a scripture and we'll dive deep into it and just try to bring uh, some real life out of it. We're going to do that today, but I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach today. Uh, for those of you who are used to my regular communication, I just thought I should step back. And I really wanted to have a really clear story for you today, a really clear picture of what today's all about. You know, uh, today is the day, as I said already, and I want you to really get this thought into your mind and your heart, that the resurrection is about reconciliation. But I want you to repeat after me. Resurrection is about reconciliation. Today is about relationship. Now, it's, isn't it fascinating that we have statutory holidays on Good Friday and Easter? Isn't it fascinating that the world acknowledges this day that is a historical account in Scripture, that is a historical account in history, and an unbelieving nation, an unbelieving people, uh, often we'll take Easter and we often will celebrate with bunnies and chocolates. And I got to be, I admit, I love the Hershey chocolate eggs. Come on, somebody. I mean, there's, a, there's actually a, a competition between Cadbury chocolate eggs and Hershey chocolate eggs. And Hershey chocolate eggs are better. Wow. Stone him. Gee, I thought I'd have more support. It's because I'm American, maybe. I don't know. It's uh, Maybe. I don't know. I just assume it's always because I'm American. <laughs> Why don't they like me? You're American. Come on. <laughs> you know, we make today, you know, if you think about it, we look at even the Christian religions. You know, we've got all sorts of Christian religions. And you say, well, what do you mean? Aren't you a Christian religion? Well, no, we, we actually don't uh, believe in religion. I don't believe religion is what we are. I don't believe denomination of religion or, you know, uh, you know, ritualistic mindset. And often when we come to Easter, it's kind of a ritualistic mindset, isn't it? You know, we kind of have, okay, this is the, the two Super Bowl Sundays for churches. It's Easter Sunday and Christmas Eve, right? Where everybody comes to church. And I'm just glad you're here today. I don't care why you came. I'm just glad you're in the house today. And so we all come to church on this Sunday and across the whole world takes a moment to stop. And to recognize this day, whether you're celebrating a cute little bunny, which we'll have afterwards, and she'll say hi and take pictures with you and give you free candy. But we either recognize this chocolates and fun and Easter egg hunts and bunny, which is fine. Or we celebrate, you know, uh, liturgically or religiously. We go to church because we know that's what we got to do. And there's another facet to it that I want to present to you today that, that Easter isn't about the Easter bunny. And it is a little bit about the Hershey eggs to me, but not totally. Easter isn't about the Easter money, and Easter isn't about the chocolates, and Easter isn't about many of these things. Easter's not about religion. Easter's not about denomination. Easter's not about ritual. Easter's not about keeping a liturgical calendar. 
Easter is about relationship. Easter is about being reminded that it's not just a day in our calendar where we get together and we, oh yeah, remember. No, it's a day where we are reminded that this day, relationship was, we were given relationship to God that we did not have prior to Easter. That at that moment, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he gave us something that we did not have before. And maybe you're here today and you're an individual who isn't a follower of Jesus, and uh, we're going to get this figured out, huh? No? Okay. That's, if you're visiting today, we have a, a theme in our church. Uh, our media team likes to watch me get frustrated on camera. And so they often will pull a last-minute uh, thing on me, and it won't work. And I'm just, I'm just kidding. Come on. But let's give our... Now, the only reason I say that is because my son's doing the media today. So if it was any other volunteer, I wouldn't say a word. But it's because my son, and you're doing a killer job, son. Amen. Now I can say I'm, I'm a good parent, okay, because that guy's a terrible dad. You might be here today, and maybe you're, you're not a follower of Jesus. Watch it online. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you consider yourself, you know, when you recognize there's a universe, you know, a, a universal God. You know, it's the universe lining the line. You know, maybe you believe in, in God, but you don't know who that God is, and there's many roads that would lead to God. Or maybe you're here today, and you grew up Catholic or, or, or an Anglican or religious, and, and you, you would say, yes, I, I know God, and I have, you know, but I don't know if I have a, necessarily a daily relationship with God. Or maybe you're today, and you grew up in church, and you've been doing Easter Sundays forever, and when I say, he is risen, what do you say back? He is risen That means a lot of you have been to church before. <laughs> so well, today is not about um, any of the things. It's only about one thing, relationship. And I want to show you something today that I find very fascinating in scriptures. We're going to talk about this idea of relationship today, and we're going to look at it today. But the crazy part is that many of us forget that when God created you, he created you with relationship in mind. He created mankind not just to have little chess pieces that he could fool around with and, okay, like a little voodoo doll, you know, poke you and ah. God created you to have relationship with you. God designed you and formed you, and you may or may not believe this, uh, but the reality is, is that there is a, uh, a God who created the heavens and the earth, and he created each of us individually to have a personal relationship with him, not just to be his minions or to, be, uh, to do his biddings, but to have a personal relationship with God, the living God, to know him, to understand him, to be in relationship with him, to get to know him better so that you and I can live the life on this earth that we were originally intended to live. But the problem is, as many of you would know today, that a long time ago, something fell apart. And so we were created originally with a relationship with God in mind, but it fell apart and the relationship was broken. The relationship was severed. The relationship fell apart. And, you know, I want to go back for a moment. And many of you would know this today, but there might be someone in the room who's never heard this before. And if you go all the way back to the very beginning of time, the very beginning with Adam and Eve in Scripture, we'll see that Adam and Eve, as you know, were given two options. They were given the option by God who created Eden, which was the place of God. God walked and created in perfect communion with them, perfect relationship with them. But listen, I want you to hear me. He gave them a decision. He gave them a choice. You can either follow me, eat the tree of life, live a great life, or you can choose this other, choose this other tree, which is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And when you choose that tree, you won't be choosing a relationship with me. You'll be choosing yourself. 
And so we look back and we see that all along, God gives you and I the decision and the choice on our own volition whether we want to have a relationship with God or not. This isn't something you're forced to do. He doesn't just choose certain people and not other people. No, he wants to have a relationship with every person. And he gave Adam and Eve the opportunity. And in the very beginning, and before sin entered the earth, Adam and Eve were tempted, as you know, and deceived by the evil one we call the devil or Satan. They were tempted, and they were tempted to serve themselves over God. And as you know in Scripture, that's exactly what they did. And when the moment that they took of that, 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 the, the apple or whatever it was, the fruit on the tree of knowledge of good and evil and bitter, into it, the moment the Bible says their eyes were opened and they saw that they were naked. And the scripture says, look at their response. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The first response of individuals who were created to have a relationship with God, when there was now sin involved, they were running away from or hiding from God. That was the first response of mankind to run away from God. Why did they run away from God? Well, the scripture tells us, I was afraid, so fear, because I was naked, shame, and so I hid. So the first response is to a severed relationship with God was I have fear in my life. I have fear about death or fear about God or fear about whatever, and I feel shame and I feel guilt, and I can't tell you why I feel this way, but I feel empty and I feel lost and I feel disjointed and I feel confused and I don't know what to do. That's called shame and guilt. When we don't know which way to go, when I feel like every time I give my life to my career, I I see great uh, progress and then it falls apart and I'm back to where I started, or every time I get my relationship figured out with my wife. Things are going good and all of a sudden things fall apart again because we have an argument. No matter what happens, I find myself disconnecting myself from God because I feel fear, I feel shame, I feel lost, I feel broken. And what I do is I distance myself from God. You see, from the very beginning, we see that this is exactly what sin did. And I want you to notice something in the scripture. You say, Ryan, what does this have to do with the resurrection? Just hang on, we'll get there. We see what happened in this very the few verses that we, we referenced here. When they sinned, they chose the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They ate the fruit. They distanced themselves from God. They ran. Look what it says. The man and his wife, look at, they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God was literally walking with them in the garden and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So now let me set the scene for you. They are in the very place of God where God himself walked with them and talked with them. In the cool of the day, it was a beautiful day, Yahweh God, Jehovah God, Alpha and Omega, the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, a triune God, all in one person walked among the Garden of Eden with man himself. And they hid because they were filled with sin. God knew they had sinned. God is omnipotent. He's omnipresent. God knew Adam and Eve sinned. God at this moment could have done anything. God could have kicked them out of the garden immediately. God could have banished them immediately. God could have said, you know what? You're a waste of time. But this is a fascinating thing that God did. As you walk through the cool of the day, look what it says. But, everyone say but. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? So here's man in a broken relationship with God. They had sinned. They'd chosen themselves. they distanced themselves. They were afraid. They were filled with shame. 
They were worried. They were ups- They were distanced and hiding from God. God could have said anything in this moment. And what was he doing? He was searching for relationship with these people. Where are you? Where are you hiding? My son, my daughter, Adam, I created you to have a relationship with me. Why are you running away from me? I know that you sin. He's God. He wasn't lost on the fact that they were, had failed. He wasn't lost on the fact that they had made mistakes. He wasn't lost on the fact that they had screwed up. He knew that was the reality, yet his response was to his creation, to his son, to his daughter, to Adam and Eve. Where are you? He said, well, we, we hid in the garden. We, we knew that we were sinners, and we knew that we, we couldn't be near you, and that's the truth. Now, in this moment, we don't see Adam and Eve recognizing their sin and saying, God, forgive me. I sometimes wonder, and if you're here today, don't take this away and write an email to me or put it on YouTube that I'm a heretic, but let me just throw a little imagination in there. You say, oh, that's not okay. Just for a second, let me have some fun. I wonder if Adam and Eve would have asked for forgiveness in that moment if the outcome would have been different, but we don't see repentance. And so Adam and Eve, because now they were broken and they were disconnected from God, We see them say we were in sin and we ran away from you and God said, where are you? And it says, okay, well, because now we're in broken relationship, I'm going to banish you from my presence. Why? Because God is a holy God. God's a righteous God. There is no sin in him. So when he has sin, he says, listen, prior to Christ, I cannot be in your presence if there's sin. That's why in the temple, they had to send the high priest with a rope around his leg. So when he went into the presence of God, if he had any sin in his life and he died, they would literally drag that priest out of the Holy of Holies. Sin could not be in the presence of God because he's holy, because he's without sin, because he's righteous. You say, I don't like that, Ryan. We'll just wait. There's more to the story. And we come all the way back, 2000, you know, many thousands of years later, and we see a man named Jesus was born to a virgin, Mary. And he walked upon the earth, and he was a sinless man. And he went through every single thing you went through mentally, temptation, same urges, same challenges, betrayal, uh, hardships, difficulties. Jesus went through everything that you went through in your life. He walked on the earth as 100% human and he experienced everything you experienced, but he was also 100% God. And as he walked along the earth, you see in, this, you see in, in our story today that, that Jesus walked along the earth as a human, but he was also God. And it came a time when Judas, his, one of his closest companions, uh, sold Jesus out for some, a bag of money. And one day in a garden, when Jesus was preparing himself to be crucified, Judas walked in with armed guards and he kissed Jesus on the, on the cheek, a, a brotherly, holy kiss. And it says, this is the man you're looking for. And they arrested Jesus. Remember, Jesus has done nothing wrong. They took Jesus into court. And he was just, imagine the moment. There's people outside warming themselves into fire barrels. And there's people picketing, down with Jesus, crucify Jesus. And he's in the courthouse. In the courthouse right now, there's a judge and there's lawyers and there's, there's a jury and there's all these people watching and they're shouting. And just imagine for a moment in a modern idea that people outside who are fighting for sides in the story of whatever, who's ever on trial and they're all out there. And here's this man. He's out there warming his hands. Jesus is in a mock trial where they hired false witnesses to rig the trial so that Jesus would be crucified. And here's this man outside who was Jesus' closest companion. He's warming his hands next to the fire, and there's people picking, he crucify him. Hey, aren't, 
aren't you, aren't you the one who walked around with Jesus? This man named Peter. Well, I don't know that guy. He leaves that place and comes to another. Hey, aren't you the guy that walked around? I don't know that guy. What are you talking about? I don't know Jesus. What are you talking? You sound kind of like him. No, I'm not. I don't know him. He walks back over again to another spot. And this time a young girl walks up to him and says, hey, I've seen you with Jesus. And this man named Peter looks this girl square in the eyes and says, I do not know that man. And the scripture points out something very interesting. In Luke chapter 22, it says that when Peter spoke this third confession that he denied Jesus, the rooster crowed. Look what the scripture says. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Remember, he's on trial, standing on the witness stand, inside the building, and yet amongst all of this, Jesus has his attention on Peter. Look what it says. Peter remembered the, the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you'll disown me three times. Look at this. And he went outside and wept bitterly. He remembered that Jesus had said, you're going to deny me three times. He remembered that he had failed. He actually abandoned and, 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 and turned on his closest companion and God himself. And what did Peter do in response? He left where Jesus was and he ran away and wept bitterly. He ran away from Jesus. Isn't it fascinating that even in this moment, Jesus was searching. I imagine Jesus was searching the crowd for him. As he's being there wrongfully accused, he knew this was going to happen. He knew Peter was going to sin. He knew this moment was coming. And he's looking through the crowd. Okay, I am searching for Peter because I know, I know that this is going to derail this guy. I know he's going to sin, but I want him to know that as I look at him, this isn't a look of condemnation. This is a look of love and care and concern. Peter, it's going to be okay. I will rise from the dead. We see this amazing story come out. Peter disappears. We're not to see him any longer. And Jesus then was accused of blasphemy. They whipped him 39 times with a, a, a whip that had bone and metal and sticks and stones and ripped the skin from his back. And he carried the cross, a 100-pound, 150-pound cross, to the top of Golgotha. And they put nails through his wrists and through his ankles and they put him in a certain way so he wouldn't slide off of the cross. And Jesus actually died from suffocation. And most scholars believe that Jesus died from his heart bursting because he had heart failure. How beautiful is that picture, huh? That Jesus himself died on the cross and his heart burst in love for his people, both spiritually and physically. Jesus was on the cross and they took him down from the cross and they laid him in the grave and he was in a rich man's grave as a criminal, uh, uh, buried as a criminal in a rich man's grave. And here they lay him and here we are on Saturday, Saturday night. And then Sunday morning comes along and we come to this beautiful story here found in Matthew chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who's going to roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. We see in the scripture here that here Jesus has risen from the dead. Salome, 
and the mother of Jesus. And these women, I love how Jesus appeared first to women, amen? The women had the faith. The women believed in God. The women took care of Jesus. The women stood by his side. The women were there. So if anyone thinks in this story, the men are the hero, no, the women are the hero of the story. I love how all the men are not clapping right now. Come on now. Beautiful story. The stone had been rolled away. There was an angel that came down and told. He said, listen, he's not, he, he's not here. He's risen just like he said he would do. Now, something fascinating that obviously you saw, I moved, I moved it forward because I want to point this out to you. That there's a little detail in this story that you need to catch, which I'm sure you've caught before. Let me read it again. It says, don't be alarmed. He said, you're looking for Jesus of Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him just as he told you. Don't you find it fascinating that one of the very first things that Jesus did when he rose from the dead was grab his angelic buddy and say, okay, listen, when, when, when people start to come, you make sure Peter knows I rose from the dead. You make sure Peter know I'm looking for him. You make sure Peter know. That's an interesting detail that Jesus wanted him to know, that even at the very, the, the very first thing when he rose from the dead, that I am looking for the one who denied me three times. Why? Because today is about relationship. Make sure Peter knows that I rose from the dead. Make sure Peter knows that even though you've denied me and ran from me and gone away from me, that I have risen from the dead. And because I rose from the dead, now you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now you can have a relationship with God. And now you can have an ongoing personal relationship with the living Savior. Why? Because God is constantly searching for his creation to have a relationship with them. After the moment of sin in your life, or the moment of rejection, or the moment of disconnection, you think God's abandoned you. But guess what? He is looking for you. He's searching for you. We see this idea in Scripture where Romans chapter 5, look what the Scripture says. When we were utterly helpless with no way of escape, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners who had no use for him. Even if we were good, we really wouldn't expect anyone to die for us, though, of course, that might be barely possible. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. When? Not when you got your stuff together. Not when you started coming to church. Not when you stopped cursing. Not when you stopped smoking. Not when you stopped looking at that stuff. Not when you got your life together while you were in your sin. He's searching for you. Where are you? Look what he says. And since by his blood he did all this for us sinners, how much more will he do for us now that we have declared, he has declared us not guilty? Now he will save us from all of God's wrath to come. And since when we were his enemies, we were brought back to God by the death of his son, what blessing he must have for us now that we are all his friends and he is living within us. Now we rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done in dying for our sins, making us what? Friends of God. You look at God and think, man, he's just the universe, or he's just some angry God, or he's up there, and I got to do my penance and do my stuff. Listen, that is not what God wants you to believe. God wants you to know he wants to be your friend. He wants to be your heavenly father. He wants to be in relationship with you. He doesn't want to be this sterile, universal God that's distant and disconnected. You can come back to him today because he wants a relationship with you. 
Now, I felt like I wanted to share this story with you, a story where Jesus actually told a story in the Bible in Luke chapter 15, a story that describes the kingdom of God. And many of you know the story, but just for a moment, lean in and listen to this story for a moment. The story is of a young man who went to his father and he said, Dad, I want you to give me my inheritance as though you were dead. Basically, Dad, pretend like you're dead and give me the money that's mine. And it says in the scripture that this father gave him his inheritance and he packed all of his belongings. Jesus wanted us to know that he cleared out everything from his father's house and he ran away from his father's house. The scripture says very clearly in the, that, that he wasted all of his money on parties and prostitutes. He took his inheritance, the hard-earned money that his, God, his, his dad had worked for. He took that money and he blew it and he lived a lavish life and he lived a high life and he went out and he just had so much fun, just enjoyed so much fun. Listen, I got to admit today, sin is sometimes really fun. It just makes me feel so good in the moment. And then, as you know, afterwards, you feel lost and empty and broken and discouraged. And what do you got to do? Well, I got to keep the high going. So I go right back and I do it again. Why? Because I don't know what to do. And so here we see that this young man, he blew all of his inheritance and he did all these things. And he kind of turns his life away from his heavenly father. And as he was out living the life, he came to a point where the economy took a turn. There's a famine in the land, and this young man lost everything that he owned. He had nothing left, and so he had to go get a job, and he got a job for a pig farmer. And while he was there with the pig farmer, he said, listen, I'm so hungry. Can, can I eat the, the food that I'm feeding the pigs? Can I eat with them? And the, the farmer wouldn't even let him eat the pig's food. No one gave this man anything. He was all by himself. He was alone. He was disconnected. He was in a broken relationship with his father, and the scripture says that when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself. This moment of coming to our senses is recognizing that, oh my gosh, I've had this perspective about my father that actually isn't true. I actually thought in my dad's house, or I thought following him meant this, this, and this, or I felt this or that, but really the reality is, is that, man, my dad loves me so much that life in my father's house is so much better. And we see that he recognized this, and so he said, I'm not even worthy of being your son. I'm not even worthy of being your son any longer. I, I can't be your son. I've lost that relationship. Will you hire me as a worker? Let me be a worker. And I find it interesting. Many of us today, and I'm just going to say this prophetically to you, many of us today uh, are, are, are wanting to be in the house of God and be followers of Jesus, but we don't see ourselves as sons. We see ourselves as slaves. And so you are a slave to doing good, a slave to religion, when in reality, God the Father wants a relationship with you. You've come back to God, but you've come back to God religiously when he wants a relationship with you. We see as he comes in the scripture, he says, you can't even call me son. And so what the scripture says is that he returned to his father. And I want you to notice something about this verse. He wrote, walked back, and as he's walking back to his father's house, thinking about what he's going to say, and, and he's walking back to his father's house, while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming. Now, as I sat there, sat there and pondered this verse, think about the description 
there's a house, there's a road, there's a horizon. And it very clearly, Jesus wanted us to know that the sun was still a long distance away. Now, the father could have been watching TV. The father could have been on a business trip. The father could have been doing something else. But how would the father catch his his lost son in the horizon, in the distance? How do you think he saw him? He was searching for him. He was scanning the horizon, waiting for the moment when his son would come back, not as a slave, not as a religion, not as a ritual, not as a thing that I do just to try to make myself feel better, but he's looking and he's searching and he's scanning. He's saying, where are you? Where are you? I know you've been hiding in that place. I know you've been hiding behind your sin. I know you've been hiding behind your fear. I know you've been hiding behind your wrongdoing. You've been hiding behind science. You've been hiding behind all sorts of stuff to try to keep yourself distanced from me. But you need to know God is not standing there with a ruler stick ready to smack you across the face. He's willingly waiting. And look what the scripture says. The father saw him and felt compassion and ran out to him and embraced him and kissed him. And he says, and he says, Father, I, I don't even deserve to be here. Look at the scripture. Look, look at the end of this verse here. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you, and I'm not worthy of being called your son. Do you notice what's after the, the word son, a little dash? That means the father interrupted him. I don't even deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be in God's house. I don't deserve to be in relationship with God. Of many to be sick to God, the father says, just be quiet. I love you. But you don't know what I've done. Yes, I do. I love you. I've been searching for you. I sent my son to die so that he could restore a relationship back to so now. You and I have what Adam and Eve lost in the garden. And he's searching for you today saying, come on back into my presence. Yes, there was a time where I banished you. And yes, there was a time where I couldn't let unholiness in my, in my sight. But now because of Jesus, you can come in under his blood and you can stand in the very presence of your heavenly father. So I end today, I, I found this very fascinating. There's a famous painter named Rembrandt. You know that painter? Rembrandt in his late 20s, in his late 20s, he began to see incredible success. He was one of, considered one of the greatest uh, painters, and he read the story of the prodigal son in his late 20s, mid-20s. He was making money. He was having a good time. He read the entire story of the prodigal son that I just told you, and the Rembrandt decided to paint a picture of it, and this is the picture that he painted. This is called the prodigal son in the brothel. See, when, the product, when, when Rembrandt looked at this picture, he didn't see the part in the end. He identified with the part in the middle where he was having fun and life was good. Things were going okay. I don't have many problems. I actually don't really need God. But what happened is, is did you know that Rembrandt repainted the prodigal son? In the later part of his life, two years before he died, he lost everything. His wife died when when she was 30 years old. He had four children, three of them passed away. He had to file bankruptcy because he lost everything because he was living such a lavish lifestyle that he lost everything. They auctioned his home and his paintings and his belongings right in front of him, and he was completely broke. 
one of the last paintings that he painted was this picture called the prodigal son. And as he ended his life, he realized he painted himself, Rembrandt, in this picture. As we look at this picture and see that your heavenly father says, listen, I know you've been far from me. I know that you've been disconnected. I know that you've been broken. I know that you've been lost. I know all of the things that you've done in your life. It's not a secret to me. You don't have to hide any longer. You can come right to the very feet of your father. And he places his hands on you. And guess what he says? You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. I care for you. And I created you to have a relationship with you. I didn't create you to have religion. I didn't create you to have ritual. I didn't create you just to show up on church twice a year. I created you because I want to have a personal relationship with you every day. I want to be involved in your marriage. I want to be involved in your finances. I want to be involved in your heart and your mind. I want to be involved in every broken part of your areas of your life. I want to be involved in everything. Why? Because I created you and I care for you. Where are you? I want you to know today that today the resurrection is about reconciliation. It's about relationship. And we do this every Sunday, but we're going to do this today. I know there's a lot of people in the room, either A, who've never accepted Jesus Christ into their life. You've never done this moment. You've come before the Father and said, okay, I've tried to do this on my own. I've tried to do this life and make this on my own. I know there's a God. I know there's something out there. And today, I'm just going to give up, and I'm just going to yield my life to God. Maybe you're here today, and you're here, and you've kind of fallen away from God. And you're like this prodigal son. You've gone on your journey, and now you find yourself eating pig food out of a pig pen. You say, gosh, there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more to life than the meaningless droning on of going to work and life. There's got to be more than this. And I'm here to tell you today, yes, there is. There's an abundant life found in Jesus Christ alone. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.